I've had the privilege of being in and around banking for more than 50 years. Lots of changes during that time. We've gone from ledgers to laptops, typewriters to technology. One thing, however, remains the same. Banking is a people business, and I'll be talking with those people that make banking great here on Jack Rats with Modern Bankers. Happy Thursday, banking people. It's great to see you, and it's great to have Bryn Tillman here. Today, we're going to talk about thought leadership. And I, and I thought before the program, I would ask my friend Chat GPT about their definition of thought leader. So here it is. A thought leader, according to Chat GPT, is an influential individual who possesses expertise and innovative ideas within a particular field and has the ability to inspire and shape the thinking of others. Well, like who? Well, Bill Gates has 36 million followers on LinkedIn, Mark Cuban, seven and a half million, and Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, has 2.6. Today, one of LinkedIn's great thought leaders, Bryn Tillman, is going to talk with me about thought leadership in commercial banking. Hi, Bryn. Hi, Jack. I'm so excited to be here. This is such a great topic that so many bankers ask us about. And now we get to share the insights. I'm very excited. Well, let's let's talk human to human. Uh, ChatGPT, Google, they all have a lot of definitions around thought leadership. Your Yours is very practical. Let's start there. So not only practical, it, it, it's really short and easy to follow. Ready? Thought leadership is about leading other people to think differently. That's it, right? And hopefully for the better. <laughs> so, uh, you know, as we move into really helping bankers become that thought leader, it's really about getting them to get their their prospects, their audience to start thinking differently about their current banking solution, their current banker, the current service that they're getting. Right when you can get that, or what they should expect. When you can move the thinking, it leads towards your solution and people wanting to have conversations. So very powerful. And and and, and let's be fair, if you're in a community of 10,000 people, a lot of bankers feel, well, I'm not a thought leader. You, you are, in fact, you have more of an opportunity than anybody else because you're in, within a confined space. And if you do work in a vertical industry, which we're gonna talk about, you have that opportunity as well. We have a lot to cover in a short period of time, Bryn. Let's start with number one, as we welcome our good friend, Eric Cook, a thought leader, and another thought leader who's on is our friend, Susan Bell. So speaking of thought leaders, Bryn, there's a couple of really good ones, but let's start with Banking IQ. Since we're talking about IQ and our friends at Vertical IQ, talk about that. That's number one. Yeah, and when we wrote this, I had Vertical IQ in mind when I wrote Banking IQ, but you know, you don't need deep knowledge in every single product that your bank offers, right? It's not like you need to understand every inch of underwriting, right? What you need to do is understand how these products solve the problems in the context of individual buyer needs. Each, right, each prospect, each client, each customer, they all have different needs and you need as a, as a banker, the right banking IQ is what product 
can solve that need. So staying current uh, with events, regulations, industry trends will all help you show up and build that subject matter expertise brand. Depending on the size of bank uh, and depending on your situation, you might have vertical expertise. You might work in the medical profession. You might work with distributors or whomever it might be. This is a great opportunity, Bryn, to show your thought leadership within a vertical. Uh, yeah, and you know, I think that this is really important and something that uh, bankers don't necessarily highlight. So, you know, if you're a banker and you focus on manufacturing, uh, if you focus on logistics and transportation, or maybe you have a few, making sure that it is really clear that this is your expertise really makes an impact. So thought leaders who operate in those little niches are extremely valuable to that industry, right? This allows you, the banker, to be a resource who can share success practices from you know, your clients provide great value beyond your products and services, sharing your industry industry insights. Vertical IQ is a, a company that can actually help you even do deeper dives inside of those industries and the industries of your prospects' clients, right? So subscribing to content that supports this niche, following experts in the space, and talking with others in the industry helps you to gain the insights and perspectives that you can share one-on-one -on -one or one-to-many. Um, and so I, I think vertical industry expertise is uh, a vital message that bankers who want to be thought leaders need to share. And you talk about uh, following. I was with a banker recently and this particular banker is involved in not-for-profits. And so I said, well, who are some of the key folks in that industry that you follow? And that could be authors that do something around customer experience, or it could be uh, experts in the not-for-profit industry, and, and they didn't know how to get to them. So I'm going to ask you a question about that, because I just said, look, go to Google, who are some of the key experts in that particular industry, then go back to LinkedIn and follow them. But Bryn, I'm sure you have other ways that you could, you could think about following experts in a particular industry. Oh my gosh. So there are so many. Um, finding them is easy, right? We can Google, we can look at who, but YouTube, Listen Notes. Listen Notes is a podcast, is a site that indexes almost every podcast in the world. So you just type in their name and every podcast that they've been on that's listed shows up, right? And so you have access to more of their thought leadership than, you know, a typical post might have. Uh, and there's lots of ways to use this. So the fact that you're highlighting an expert in an industry shows your interest in that industry. So I love that this is not talking about your bank, but it's really talking about, you know, I'm going to back that up. Instead of talking about what you want them to know, talk about what they want to consume. And when you can share insights about their industry and even deeper their client's industry, 
you become a true trusted advisor and resource, that they're not feeling like it's only about selling the bank products and services. Well, I love the listen notes. Those, that's fantastic. And one of the things that I try to do is to go to podcasts that have to do with things like sales or leadership or some LinkedIn or something like that. And I'll listen to who the guests might be. And if the guest has a pretty good rap and has some good things to say, I'll go right, right on to LinkedIn and follow them. But, but following someone is a really good idea, Bryn, but you also want people to follow you. Part of that means developing your own voice. Ah, this is such a big deal. And um, your own voice, let, let's go, I'm going to just talk for, for like ChatGPT for a moment. Right now, we are in a place where we can get content in 35 seconds. And I'm not exaggerating. You can say, hey, you know, share 10 insights that plastic manufacturers are going through right now, right? And you could get in, in under a minute, really comprehensive stuff. No, I'm gonna take that back. Lots of content that's shallow. Let's, it's not comprehensive. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll reword that. But here, here's, here's the challenge, right? They could have Googled and gotten that same content, by the way. In fact, they can reverse Google that and recognize that it did come from other places. Your voice is what makes you stand out. So it's a combination of finding your or identifying your philosophy. For us, you know, part of our philosophy is anti-LinkedIn automation, pro-relationships, pro be a resource, detach from what the prospect is worth to us and attach to what we are worth to the prospect, right? That's a core of everything that we do. All of our content needs to show up that way so that we have a consistent voice in thought leadership, right? So articulate your philosophy of doing business before you ever even attempt the thought leadership. So, it might be a strong technology brand being known for white glove service or convenience, a consistent message that you're sending out there. Like what is your consistent message um, will help to differentiate you in the marketplace. And so for example, let's say that's white glove service. So we're, we're working closely with a, a, a pretty big bank um, and we have for years, you have for years and now I have thanks to you. Um, and their differentiator in the marketplace is the relationship that their bankers have with the clients. They all have, all their clients have their cell numbers. They can text them. They spend a long time meeting their other trusted advisors and working closely to make sure that there's a holistic approach. It's a big bank with a white, with white glove service, right? So, when I talk to them and I say, well, why do people switch from the bank that they're in to you? And it's like, well, because their banker either dropped the ball or left and they're being ignored. Absolutely. So when your thought leadership talks about what, you know, what a relationship with a banker should be, there's a piece of thought leadership. Now, should that be everything they talk about? No, of course not. We need to, because that's kind of things that we want them to know, but we're, we're dropping little seeds of, you know, um, whether, it, you know, uh, not all content is social selling content. A thought leadership might piece could also be, you know, five, five things that 
manufacturers should expect from their banker, right? So we can add some of that stuff in. So it's a combination of we've got a little bit of, the, of content in there about their industry, a little bit of content about their client's industry, a little bit about that leads them to you as a banker, but recognize the difference between pitch and thought leadership is reframing. This is not how we help necessarily. It's what you should expect. They're going to know that you do it. But when you talk about kind of the five things manufacturing companies deserve from their banker, if you said, here are the five things that we do for manufacturing companies, it's a pitch. When you, when you, switch that into your own voice about and that taking that and making it part of your philosophy and your core belief. It's a small reframe with a big impact. It's so true. And, and what Mike Weir, my friend who is a, a, a phenomenal instructor at the sales and marketing school and does a lot of great work with graduate school of banking says it's not about the dollars, not about the dollars. It's, it's really about the client and the prospect and, and what we can do for them. And I, I want to jump onto another topic, but I, but I also just want to mention a real practical thing. Um, I take a 52 uh, mindset when I, when I do content. Five days a week, I share other people's content, which, which does make you a thought leader. One of the people I follow consistently, of course, is Chris Nichols, who's just brilliant in our industry. On Monday, I do a quote called Modern Banker Monday, and then there might be one day a week when I talk about something else. But if you can get other people's content out there, it does help make you a thought leader. Now, out there, when we had the pandemic, we were kind of stuck at home and we did a lot of networking things uh, virtually. Um, I like to call it, by the way, net sharing, because if it's work, it isn't worth it. But I like to go to a networking event and I like to share things with other people. But one of the things I think bankers could do to become a thought leader is to understand what other bankers are thinking. And by doing that, it helps you become more well-rounded. RMA is a great way to do this. RMA, Risk Management Association, has about 50 chapters throughout the United States. They're doing monthly meetings, dinner meetings, breakfast meetings. They're short, but it gives you an opportunity to share with other bankers. And by the way, not only from a thought leadership, but from a sales perspective, Bryn, uh, if, if I'm a banker and I do one type of lending and you don't do that type of lending, you might be able to refer business to me and I could reciprocate around that. I know you have other things to talk about, about networking, but that's certainly something bankers should be thinking about. Yeah. And a lot of times they're thinking, well, why would I want to meet other bankers? But there's so many reasons why. And, and so I love that. But there's also the other kind of networking, right? Meeting referral partners and prospects and building a community through networking. And when it comes to networking for in-person events, there's so much that we can do. I'm always going to take this back to LinkedIn, right? But there's so much that we can do on LinkedIn that we wanted to cover today, but it's so much that, Jack, we're going to talk about this next week. And if you guys want to, um, to tune in to the the deep LinkedIn for network bankers for networking, go check out Jack's page and his activity. And uh, the event is already scheduled. So 
But net networking is a cornerstone to business development for bankers, for sure. It, it, it really is. And what Dustin Martin is saying, Bryn, uh, with his comment, is about the RMA. And he's going to be attending a conference in, uh, in San Diego next week. Just a great opportunity for, uh, for people to network. Well, one of the things I think bankers are a little concerned about is content creation. How do I create content? Bryn, this doesn't mean sitting down and writing 500 or 1,000 word articles. There's a lot of ways to do this. Oh, I love this. You know, thought leaders often share their expertise through their own content. Bankers need to start thinking about this. And of course, the long form blog post or white papers or ebooks, right? Like those are the things that overwhelm bankers. And like, how do I get started with this? But there are so many things that we can do, right? Number one, we're, we're talkers. Bankers are, you know, especially if you're in a business development role, we have a lot to share. So start to capture your genius. When you say something to a prospect or to a client and you're like, oh, that was good. And we do it, right? We go like, oh, that was a good one. Write it down. Jack, we're putting out for the modern banker, we're putting out um, 21 tenants. And all of these mm -hmm. tenants that we've captured really came from coaching or talking with prospects and clients. And we're like, ooh, that's great. And let's record it and let's put it down, right? So, so capture that genius. It may be a one-liner that really could be substance. So now you're like, okay, I've got this one-liner. What do I do with this? I honestly, right now, am jumping on Zoom or Teams or, or whatever you're using, and I'm recording myself for three or four minutes. That's it. Mm -hmm. Not a ton. Three or four minutes. I'm taking the transcript. I'm uploading it to ChatGPT, and I'm saying... ChatGPT, you know, please create a 2,000 character blog post using the words from this transcript only. Your voice, right? This is your voice. So now we've got this transcript in your voice. And I'm going to say to ChatGPT, you know, give me five bullet points um, from this transcript that I can use in a, a quote. And it gives it to me all in my voice. There are, there's so much we can do. And you can use the raw video if you want to, right? If you're like, oh, that's four minutes, you can, three minutes, you can upload that video right into LinkedIn. So there's an enormous amount that we can do in a really short period of time. And I think it's really important. The last thing I'm going to say, no, probably not the last thing, but what, on this topic, <laughs> yeah. So, so on this topic is let's say um, I find a great article in Vertical IQ or I find an award that they won in RELPRO and I can click through something and see the article. You can record yourself with the screen share. So, you know, there you're going through, you know, this is this is one on one. This is not necessarily the, the thought leadership. It could be depends. Right. Um, so let's say for Vertical IQ, it's the thought leadership. You read this article on plastics manufacturing in 2024 trend or what, you know, what's going to happen. You can have your face and your screen 
showing the article. And now you've got a video and you're talking through it and they're getting to know you as you discuss this. And then you can have a call to action that says, what's your perspective below? So many things that we can do and you can share that. But thought leadership also is one-on-one. So maybe I've done this. You said this, right? You, I think you said there's one-to-one and one-to-many. Or you wrote it and I said it. One of us. You, <laughs> we talked about this. Um, I'm not sure which. It all runs together, doesn't it? Well, yeah, right. But the bottom line is thought leadership is not only for the world to see. It's also what goes into the inbox. And you create a thought leadership brand one-on-one as well. Went on a lot of tangents there, Jack. It's good, though. But but it brings us back to this whole, you, you mentioned being seen. Uh, and visibility is so critical. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm going to be in uh, Syracuse on June 21st for the New York Independent Bankers Association, doing a one-day program for them. That speaking opportunity gives me tremendous visibility. I'm not there to sell anything. Uh, I'm there to provide value. Now, if somebody wants to talk to me about something, that's terrific. But I think bankers could be thought leaders more if they would get out into their community and stand up now and, and talk. I know that it's the, the greatest fear of humans, but we need to overcome that and to be able to be visible is part of a thought leadership strategy. Yeah. And so that, you know, that, that actually is the opposite of what I just said in the inbox, you know, so although there's tiny micro visibility, but we want to share our insights widely, right? We want to make sure that we're showing up. So Jack, visibility is your middle name. Well, probably not really, but it feels like that, right? You're speaking at every banking conference. You are you know, doing interviews. You are on podcasts. You are everywhere. You share content every single day. You have built such a strong online presence um, that it, you have now the, probably one of the, the top reputations in the banker sales world in the world, let's like say sales expert in the world, right? Your, your reputation as a thought leader, honestly, start, it, it, yes, you are an expert and you are fabulous, but I think it's your visibility that really you became a viral sensation in the banking sales world. I, I can't tell you, even before we started working together, I would go train somewhere and they go, oh, I see you're connected to Jack Hubbard. I took his trip, every banker, everywhere, somewhere. That's visibility. Even if they didn't pay for your training, they saw you, they're reading your articles and they feel connected. Well, that's, thank you for that. That's very kind. And, And part of it is being out there 50 years. And before we had, before we had LinkedIn, the way you did this was by telephone. You met with people, you had breakfast with people, et cetera. LinkedIn has really helped in that regard, but it's, um, uh, it's, you've got to be out there, absolutely be out there. Now, the other thing that bankers do, I think really well or could, because they're in so many different industries, is to anticipate trends. If you're a thought leader, Bryn, you can do that and you should do that really well. Yeah. Now, anticipating trends means that you are looking beyond your own, um, in your own knowledge today. You need to be subscribing to. I was about to say periodicals that just totally aged me. <laughs> um, 
but you know, to publications. You need to be out there making sure that you are absorbing what's happening in the community. This is, you know, on a macro level and a micro level. And it's not just, hey, I want to keep in touch with what's going on in plastics manufacturing. I'm stuck on that one today. But what's going on in the cities that I serve? What's happening in the state that, you know, com from compliance, from regulations, from like what is going on? There is a lot to stay in touch with. And so LinkedIn is a great place to do this. But I recommend that every banker has a Google alert set up with keywords, whether it's in, on their industry, on their city and state, on the industry that their clients serve, right? Have that Google alert set up and also make sure you're subscribed to, you know, for us, we'll always say on this vertical IQ, but you're subscribed to a place that they are doing a lot of the work for you. They are compiling the latest, hottest trends. So even if you go, okay, I've been in plastics manufacturing, but now this oil manufacturing company wants me and I don't have anything on that. You need a place to be able to quickly jump in and, you know, and learn those trends. So anticipating trends is really about subscribing to the right content and consuming it. I was doing a work, some work in Indiana with, with a woman on our prospecting class. And uh, uh, I, I always want them to share content that doesn't have anything to do with about the bank. And she was going to call on a swimming pool manufacturing company, a uh, swimming pool developer. Uh, and she spent hours and hours at home trying to find an article about swimming pool stuff. It, remember, when you're, when you're looking at anticipating trends, it's not just about a particular industry. It could be strategic planning. It, it could be sales. It could be employee retention. It could be marketing. It could be anything because that's common to every single uh, industry. Mm -hmm. Well, anticipating trends is great. Being visible is great. But you got to be what, what Larry Levine, our friend Larry Levine would call authentic. And he wrote a terrific book called Selling from the Heart that talks about authenticity. Talk about that, Bryn, in terms of thought leadership. Yeah. And, you know, this is um, kind of like a part B to your own voice. Um, so that's really important. But you have to stay true to it. It's not just having knowledge, but it's your own perspective, a unique perspective that others find valuable. I'm going to just tell you a quick little story on perspective that changed really in some ways the trajectory of my business. Um, our, our friend Jeb Blount did, who's, you know, did a, a, a live or a recorded, ran live, the, the, a recorded social selling is a scam. And this was years and years and years ago. And it was live. And there were four guys. It was uh, Mark Hunter, our very dear friend. Um, Jeb Blunt, um, Mike Weinberg, and Anthony and Reno. And they really were just talking about how how social selling is, a, is, is fraud and it's scam. And I called them out publicly. And I said, I want to go one-on-one -on, -one on your podcast and have this debate. Well, we became dear friends, and now our content is on his platform. Because, he, because you know, but a lot of that was being authentic to what I believe. Right. It's about so authenticity is also 
I have a core belief and I, you know, I don't want to say I'm an, well, I guess I'm a little bit of an evangelist for social selling from an authentic perspective and how to make it, you know, relationship driven and all those fun things. But I have an authentic voice. So if I came out there, in fact, Gunnar Hood and I did a April Fool's um, live that freaked people out because we did um, social selling is dead, long live the cold call. And we it was April Fool's, but I had so many people reach out and say, I was really concerned. I was really thrown until I watched it and then it was really funny. So what's my point about this? I have a strong brand around my philosophy, around being authentic. And I believe it at my core. And you cannot be authentic unless what you're sharing is your core belief. So I always tell people, if you are selling something that you don't believe in, go sell something else. Because you can't, you can't show up authentically unless you do. Well, and when I met Charlie Green, uh, who wrote The Trusted Advisor a number of years ago, I said, Charlie, you've written so many words. Give me a sentence I can remember. He said, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. And when, when you have that philosophy, when you are yourself, I, I'm who I am. This is the way I teach. I tell people when I go out and train, I don't train like a tra trainer, not that they're bad. I train like a salesperson because that's how I think. Uh, right. And that's the way I am. Well, I feel this is kind of a David Letterman top 10. There's two more to go. One is, I just love this one, Bryn. Engage on others first, not just your own. So engage more than you host. This is important. And, you know, I'm on this kick of engage 10 times more than you post. It's my new kick, right? And the reason is I want it, I want it to be not just, hey, engage more. But if I post... I need to have engaged 10 times in other places. So five times before you post, five times after you post. And by the way, these insights come from Richard Vonderbloom's amazing research, right? That so this is not like, hey, it's just a, a fun thing to talk about. But the more we engage, the more people see us and the more people will see our content. So it, you know, being a thought leader is just not sharing amazing content. It's making sure that people see it and that we can influence the way they're thinking about their current situation, right? And, and, and we get compelling moments, our thought leadership. So when we can move them from lurker to engager, we can start conversations. So, Absolutely. yeah, right? So, so, so I think, you know, that engaging and by the way if you don't engage and you just post linkedin knows that and they're just not going to show your stuff so it really becomes almost a waste of your time and it's not just lazy likes either Bryn. i i, I really get irritated with lazy likes it's so easy to click it's so much diff more difficult and so much better if you would just engage with someone's i i love this concept Bryn. i found this this and this what are your thoughts on that? Now we're having a, a bit of a social dialogue here, which is so critical. So thought leadership is also conversations. That's great. That's yeah. not even on our list. No, it isn't. It isn't. But, you know, Dustin Martin uh, has a wonderful comment about pull versus push. 
and this, this is just absolutely right. And this is the concept that we're trying to get across, not being salesy, but by being able to engage with people that if there is a sale there, when the time is right, it'll, it, it'll happen. Let's talk about number 10, because I like this and I'm, I'm always surprised. I have this crazy uh, hobby and it started with Charlie Green. My wife brings home 24 years ago, the, the trusted advisor. I read the book and I think, wow, this is just like I like to sell. And so I, what a dope. I just picked up the phone thinking, hell, he might be there. And he was. And Charlie and I got to talking and we got to be really good friends. So when I see an article or if I see something of what, about a best-selling author or a brand new book, um, I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to those people. And they love to talk about what they love, Bryn. Mm-hmm. They do. And, and you know, building thought leadership is surrounding yourself with thought leaders too, right? One of the reasons that in the many reasons of your visibility where, you know, people come to you for your expertise, but they love your interviews that, you know, you have a way of using your expertise to extract the expertise of others. So, and it, you don't have any competitive, although in a sales place, we all have competitive, but when I talk to you, you don't have that. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm Eric Cook is on the line and he's our friend and he's wonderful. And there's no competitiveness. It's all, we're all in this together. High tide rises all boats. So as a banker, if you start interviewing even other bankers, you're going to attract folks. Now, ideally, however, you use this platform to interview your clients, to interview your prospects, to interview potential referral partners. Um, as a business developer, Jack interviews for thought leadership. He's not interviewing for business development. But as a banker, if you're going to do this, one of the best things you can do is so maybe you're like, um, I I interview classics manufacturing leaders in Detroit, Michigan. And that and and you have the three to five to seven questions you're asking them. I will tell you what's gonna happen, and this is the coolest thing ever, is other CEOs of classic manufacturing, their team, their marketing team is gonna start reaching out to you, asking for them to be a guest on on your interviews. And so you start these conversations with your prospects because they're begging to be on your show. So really consider that. Absolutely. And I, and I think we could do a whole session and maybe we will on uh, marketing as a partner on LinkedIn, because, you know, if I'm a commercial banker and I love Ken's comment here, thanks, Ken. Good to see you. Um, uh, If I'm a commercial banker, one of the things I'm thinking about on this on this show is, my God, Bryn and Jack, I have a lot to do. I'm busy. And you are. So you have to pick your fights. It's not hours and hours and hours. And you've got partners inside the bank that might be able to help you. So to Bryn's point about interviewing plastics manufacturers, maybe you work with your marketing department and they do some of the work on your behalf and you give them credit for it, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that, that we could do. Well, we covered a lot of ground in 37 minutes, Bryn. We really did. Um, and uh, t- 
talk about the ebook that people have been seeing uh, down in the lower left. Um, it's it's kind of cool. Uh, talk about that. Yeah. So if you guys go to the modernbanker.com slash thought leader ebook, uh, this will take you to sort of a recap of what we did, what we talked about today in an ebook form. Um, and you'll also gain access to our library that has, and it's growing every week. We're adding new content. Um, but uh, it's got great resources for bankers or people that serve bankers. And I'm so pleased, you know, last week was our first show. We had 30 people registered. This week we had 174. I hope that continues to grow. And one of the things you can do is if there's a topic that you want us to cover that relates to LinkedIn, please, please do that. Um, hey, Thursdays, Jack Rants with Bryn, brought to you by our, our great friends at RelPro and Vertical IQ. Bryn, I'll be talking to you through the week, but I'll see you next Thursday. Awesome. I can't wait to be here. Bye, guys. We are thrilled that you have joined us for Jack Rants with Bryn. We are here live on LinkedIn every Thursday at noon Eastern time. We'd like to thank our amazing sponsors, RelPro and Vertical IQ, two vital platforms that all modern bankers should be leveraging to start more trust-based conversations without being salesy. If you found value in today's program, please subscribe, review, like, comment, and share with your peers. And lastly, be sure to sign up for a free public library at themodernbanker.com slash public library. Again, that's themodernbanker.com slash public library. Here's to your continued great success.